It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by PrizePix. PrizePix is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week. You might be already in it. It might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Nuggets, your daily Denver Nuggets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome into the Locked On Nuggets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Adam Mades, flying solo today. Matt Moore's got the night off. He's got a, his hands full with Locked On NBA. Also, uh, don't blame him. Maybe not wanting to talk about this is horrible and uh, pretty boring, to be honest. Denver Nuggets lost. They fall to the Dallas Mavericks 103-89 in a team in which both teams were pretty shorthanded. Um, the Nuggets, obviously, without Zeke Naji, Jeff Green, Michael Porter Jr., P.J. Dozier, Jamal Murray. Um so they were a little bit shorthanded. Uh, Bull, uh, Bones Highland flies in and meets the team right before tip-off, or at least today during the daytime, uh, and he gets to play. He actually played a lot of minutes, 25 minutes. We'll get to that here in just a little bit. Nuggets also without Michael Malone, and it looked like it. This was one of those games where it just looked like Denver didn't have a lot. Uh, so first segment, I want to go over some of my big takeaways, including my biggest takeaway, which is just my overall concern level for the Denver Nuggets' guard rotation, which I think is really bad right now, really concerning, and I'm not sure if it's getting better until Monte Morris returns, another guy who was out of the lineup today who's in those health and safety protocols. In segment two, I want to talk a little bit about some of the news and notes from around the NBA, talk about the Denver Nuggets in the second half. There's some interesting stats. I want to talk about the rescheduled game as well as Michael Porter Jr. Uh, back with the team, what that might mean. And in the final segment, because this is going, you know, a lot of people I think going to be down about the news or about this game and how it went, I want to talk about the glimmer of hope Nikola Jokic threw all of us Denver Nuggets fans in his postgame commentary reflecting on one Dirk Nowitzki and his career with the Dallas Mavericks. But first, let's get into this game. 
Um, the Nuggets lose 103-89. They trailed for most of the game. They get down early. They claw back. They actually made it pretty close in the fourth quarter before completely collapsing and then getting blown out, run off the court uh, over the final like five, six minutes or so. Um, Jokic in this game goes for 27 points, 16 rebounds, three assists, two steals, shoots 11 of eight from the field, one of four from the three-point line, shot just four free throws. But the story with Jokic tonight, you know, he made the positives were he made a lot of those bunnies last five or six games. He's missed some shots that you just kind of take for granted with Jokic. They're tough shots. Jokic just always makes those little five footers, six footers, little floaters, little jump hooks. He just seems to be the best in the league at those shots. And he's been a little bit cold over the last handful of games tonight. He was making those ones, uh, especially in the third quarter and fourth quarter where he could tell he was trying to dial it up a bit and say, okay, I've got to take this team home the problem the nuggets are running into is that teams are really figuring out this denver nuggets uh shorthanded denver nuggets lineup and they're really learning that the backcourt can't put pressure on you especially in the paint uh and from the three-point line tonight denver shot just six of 25 from the three-point line that's good for 24 percent they bench made just one three-pointer that came from bull bull actually playing with nikola Jokic. he drains a three um, there was, a, uh, I think the Nuggets only made two baskets in this entire game when Jokic was not on the court to kind of give you an, an idea for how bad and how inept Denver was whenever Jokic wasn't there. In fact, in that end of first quarter, start of second quarter stint, when Jokic goes to the bench for his first rest, the Nuggets had zero field goals. They had four points only in that stretch. Get outscored 16-4 to four with Jokic on the bench. Uh, Jokic goes to the bench, I think, a plus three. Nuggets up three. He comes back in. They're down nine or something like that. Uh, and the 16-4, to four, what stands out, 16 points for Dallas. They actually missed an enormous amount of shots during that stretch but Denver just four points they came off of Jamichael Green free throws um, no baskets made over that stretch and it was tough it was a really tough watch in the second half I thought the defense was really sitting on Jokic sending hard double teams putting all of the guys in the paint so even if he was to break through the double team he had a lot of help and then when there were kickouts you know Denver not knocking him down and Dallas doing a good job of running him off the line knowing that there weren't dynamic scorers who could attack closeouts get to the rim and, and really punish uh, you for it and that brings us to the biggest stat of the night and that was of course that the Nuggets had 25 turnovers it was the most turnovers they've had since 2018 they had more turnovers than assists which is crazy for reference 15 turnovers is sort of like a lot 14 is like okay that's about the line where you say if you're below that you know, you have a chance to win. If you end up getting 17, 18 turnovers, odds are you're not going to win the game. You put yourself at a huge disadvantage. 25 turnovers. I mean, like I said, Denver has not done that for five years, uh, four, four or five seasons. And to get 25 turnovers, if you were to win that game, I wonder how many teams across NBA history have won when they have 25 turnovers. I actually just paused in, in the recording because it was so interesting. I was like, you know what? That's a good question. Why don't I look it up? The last time a team won with 25 or more turnovers, the Chicago Bulls beat the Washington Wizards in 2020, February of 2020. They had 26 turnovers. Um, oddly enough, Washington had 24 turnovers. So they only had, even though they had 26, the other team had 24, which is kind of crazy. Prior to that, you have to go all the way back to 2011. Uh, when the Clippers beat Washington uh, with how many turnovers? 25 exactly. Um, Phoenix in 2010 beat Memphis. 
uh, in double overtime. By the way, both of those games, the Clippers and the Phoenix wins, were in double overtime. Prior to 2010, you have to go all the way back to 1997. So another way to put this, only one team has won a game with 25 or more turnovers in the last 10 years and only three teams in the last 25 years to just give you a perspective. So if you get 25 turnovers, uh, you almost certainly have like a 0.001% chance of winning. Denver, of course, uh, does not get the win tonight. And the question is, why were there so many turnovers? I think some of this was sloppy play, but here was your starting backcourt tonight. Facundo Campazzo, Austin Rivers. Campazzo obviously running point. You have Will Barton in there. Now you could argue Rivers, Barton, who was the the shooting guard, who was the small forward, you know, whatever. But here's the issue. Campazzo is well documented. I'm not trying to make him the scapegoat here. You guys know me. I I think Campazzo has some value. It's funny. I was talking to George Carl on the Keeping It 1000 podcast, which I do with DNVR every other week. I think we have one coming up later on in the week this week. Um, I asked him about Campazzo. Do you like him as a player? He says, I actually love him. Love him as a player. In most matchups, if he was the coach, Campazzo would play, but not every game meaning he would probably play like 7 out of 10 or 8 out of 10 games, but there's certain matchups you just wouldn't have him. And I would go even further personally and say there's certain circumstances that I would be very careful. One of those circumstances is if your backcourt, if you're trying to, you know, Jokic is the, uh, the it, it, he makes everybody good. But you don't want to waste your best players' minutes on the on lineups that maybe aren't working that great. If you look at it, the Jokic Compazzo two man pairing this year is the worst on the team. If you go back last year, third worst. I actually think Faku and Jokic can work and work beautifully, and we've even seen it in games, including the last one against the Houston Rockets, where those two had great chemistry. But I think one of the keys is is you need to have some spacing around those two guys because you've got to be able Faku can put pressure in the pick and roll, but only if he has an empty paint. You put Austin Rivers out there, who teams don't really respect. He had zero points tonight in 19 minutes goes 0 of 3 0 of 2 from the three-point line and more important than anything Austin Rivers is just he record scratches a lot he doesn't take shots that he has when they're wide open and teams know that and I think the scout is out on Denver teams are starting to pack the paint hard double Jokic and say you know what let's hard close out on these guys because one Faku short we could block shots we could run them off the line Faku Rivers both not exactly great at getting into the paint and finishing so they feel that they can overhelp and overextend on closeouts and then you've got Will Barton as the third guard here kind of a, a three guard set and Barton unfortunately just in a real big funk since the last first 15 games I thought Barton very good second best player on the team Last 15, maybe even 20 games, Barton has been frighteningly bad. Tonight, Barton goes for seven turnovers. He gets 12 points, six assists, four rebounds, but just four of 12 shooting, two of six from the three-point line. And that was your guard back backcourt. All three of those guys, I thought, could were are compromising Denver when teams just pack the paint, double Jokic. And then you go to the bench with Bones Highland, who I'm surprised played 25 minutes tonight. He gets 7.6 rebounds, 0 of 3 from the three-point line. He continues sort of the slump. And while he had some great moves, Bones different than all those other guys in that he can put pressure on the rim. He can get into the paint. Teams have to respect him. He had a fantastic one-on-one -on -one move tonight, put a guy on a defender on skates. Absolutely dynamic, and I think he's going to be a good player. But his three-point shot has sort of... Uh, been cold for the last month or so and he's a guy that 
I thought there were minutes tonight, especially in that third quarter, Faku Rivers to come out of the third quarter just couldn't get anything going, even with Jokic on the court. Austin Rivers gets hurt in this game. You know, he's dealing with that sprained thumb. He gets hurt in this game and goes out, did not return after that. Bones Highland came in. And then the Faku Bones Barton trio actually went on a run with Jokic, and that's when the team looked their absolute best. So that's why I say I'm not trying to put this on Faku and say it's his fault. I'm not trying to put it on Rivers, say it's his fault. I'm saying sometimes the combination of players you put around Jokic can lessen the impact that he has and I thought that was the case tonight Bones Island was also not uh you know blameless in tonight's game he did like I said go 0 of 3 and he also had three turnovers including a couple plays that were pretty egregious and then defensively after the game tonight uh Popeye Jones who was by the way very fond of Bones was not critic criticizing him but saying that Bones didn't necessarily know all of the plays in particular in having to play alongside two other guards so he effectively was having to play out of position he knows the playbook from the point guard spot he knows it from the shooting guard spot but tonight Denver having him play a little bit of the small forward when he was along those uh, alongside those guys and just wasn't exactly uh, up to speed on what he was supposed to be doing defensively and offensively and so you get sunk there so tonight I'm, I'm really worried with Monte Morris out. Maybe he's back for the Utah game on Wednesday, uh, but Denver just so shorthanded right now uh, from the backcourt that I think teams are just able. They're very easy to defend. Denver only scores 89 points tonight. And that was with Jokic going 11 of 18, Aaron Gordon going 7 of 9. Uh, so both the front court players played great, but Denver just had such a hard time getting the ball to them. And even when they did, making shots outside of those two guys scoring one-on-one. -on -one. Uh, defensively, uh, Luka Doncic completely dominated this game. But Aaron Gordon didn't necessarily spend a ton of time on him. Luka Doncic tonight goes 21 points, 8 rebounds, 15 assists. He was a plus 25 uh, in this in this game. And in fact, this game was only a 14 point game. So that shows you when Doncic was on the court, they were absolutely dominating. Uh, and I was kind of surprised by it. I mean, Aaron Gordon still coming back after the game. Popeye Jones said that 33 minutes was probably too many minutes for him. Uh, so Aaron Gordon, I think not getting that primary assignment. They used Austin Rivers on him. They used Will Barton on him. They used Gordon on him a little bit. They used uh, Davon Reed on him for a little bit. Bones Highland got switched onto him. Vlaco Chanchar got switched onto him. Uh, they tried a couple different things, but I think you know typically at a fully healthy team, Aaron Gordon is a defense only player in this type of matchup and he is focused on limiting uh, Luka Doncic and we've seen that in the past tonight I didn't really feel like that was part of the game plan in large part because Aaron Gordon was supposed to be on a minutes restriction but also I think they just didn't want to overextend him it's more important to keep him healthy than to give him a tough defensive assignment like that lastly a couple notes I thought Bull Bull played well in this game even though he only played six minutes him and Jokic continue to have a nice chemistry together Vlako Chanchar in fact this is a big story Vlako Chanchar even though zero points to assist tonight, 0 of 1 shooting, played 11 minutes, but exited the game unable to even, he had to actually be carried off by two teammates, unable to put any weight on a foot injury, a non-contact foot injury. And if you watch the replay, it's a scary type. It didn't look like anything happened. There was no roll. There was, he didn't land on somebody's foot. He just kind of planted wrong and then immediately knew something was wrong, called to come out of the game and then needed assistance getting off of the court. So, um, I don't know what the update is on Vlaco Chanchar. There's always a hope that, you know, it wasn't a big deal. But being carried off the court, you certainly look like, yeah, that's an injury and probably something that might hold him out. For a Denver team that's already without Zignaji, Jeff Green, you know, does that mean Bull Bull's going to play a lot of minutes going forward? I mean, Denver's starting to get thinner and thinner at that uh, front court spot, front court area. 
So Vlatko Chanchar, hopefully he's okay. Let's hit a break. On the other side, though, you know, this was one of those games. It's a loss. Blow it up. Flush it. Denver, sadly, um, there are some concerning trends with them, including that backcourt rotation like I talked about. But I don't think this is a game you can sit and, and really digest too much. Denver wasn't very good. The turnover problem is an issue. And uh, hopefully when Monte Morris returns, that stems uh, the tide a little bit, as well as hopefully uh, some good shooting from Bones Highland. On the other side, though, let's talk about Michael Porter Jr., who's back with the team. Let's talk about an update to the rescheduled games, as well as some concerning stats from the Nuggets in second half so far this season. Do you know why free trials are due without your consent? It's business scam. Out to get you. Don't let greedy corporations pocket your money. Download Truebill to take control of your subscriptions. Truebill is the new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions you don't need, want, or simply forgot about. On average, people save up to $720 per year with Truebill. Because companies make subscriptions hard to cancel, Truebill makes it incredibly simple. Just link your accounts and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in one tap. And your Truebill concierge is there when you need them to cancel unwanted subscriptions so you don't have to. Right now, you can uh, go to Truebill.com slash LockedOnMBA. Don't fall for subscription scams. Go to start canceling today at Truebill.com slash MBA. No matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax experts make them count. Did you say no to a big wedding and elope at the county courthouse? That's a move. Did you go back to school to get your degree? That's a move. Did you relocate for a fresh start? Well, that's literally a move. Maybe you moved into a houseboat instead of a house house, or switched gears from rideshare driving to video game streaming, or you rode the stock market to the moon and back. TurboTax experts make all your moves count, getting you every credit and deduction you deserve. File with 100% accuracy and get you your max refund guaranteed. So switch to TurboTax. Make your moves. They'll make them count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. Back here on Locked on Nuggets, let's go over some news and notes. It was cool to see. This is the second game now Michael Porter Jr. has been with uh the team. He was up there in, in Houston, rejoined the team, and it was nice to see him interacting. I think it's important for guys to be around their teammates, just um, feeling a part of everything, kind of building that cam- camaraderie. But also, you know, I'll be curious to ask Michael Porter if we get a chance to talk to him. He sat the bench as a redshirt rookie, his rookie season, did not play. And I felt like when he came to the team, he was having a hard time getting the playbook. You know, there was talk about him not knowing all the plays of this or that defensive schemes. I'm curious if he's learned anything from that experience because he's going to most almost certainly not play again this season. So he's going to be on the bench for some 45, 50 games plus a playoff run, hopefully a playoff run for the Nuggets. I'm curious if there is something he can learn so that when he returns in the fall next year that he is more ready to hit the ground running. I'm very curious for that. And I'm even curious for the coaching staff if there are ways to maybe keep him engaged and, and to help bring him along even though he's going to be on the bench. 
be a good question. Should we ever get to talk to the uh, to them during a practice or something? Maybe it's a good pregame question for him. I don't know. Uh, but it was good to see him. And today, actually, Mike Singer of the Denver Post and Katie Wingy and uh, Chris Dempsey, like everybody that was at the arena today in Dallas, showed video of him getting some shots up. Now they weren't. He wasn't like going through drills or anything. He was basically doing standstill shooting. And even on those, it looked like he didn't have a ton of lift. I mean, he's coming back from that. He's gonna have to build up some strength and and all of those things. But it was just nice to see him playing basketball. I mean, you have to remember Michael Porter Jr. is a gym rat. He loves the game of basketball. Like Jamal Murray, the hardest part of, of a rehab is always the psychological part because you're so far away, especially a guy like him, so far away from returning to action and playing the game you love. But I thought it was good to see him in good spirits with the team and getting some shots up. And I, I look forward to hopefully seeing more and more of that as time goes. Of course, over the weekend, we saw that Jamal Murray. We talked about this yesterday on the show. We saw that Jamal Murray windmill dunk. That was great to see. Um, so Michael Porter, just nice to see him and hopefully we see him getting shots up and workouts and things like that here in the coming weeks. The Denver Nuggets have a new schedule. They had the two canceled games, uh, against the Brooklyn Nets and then against the uh, Golden State Warriors. Those games today, the league announced, as well as all the other games that, that the league has had to reschedule, they announced the dates for those and they are as follows. There was originally the Nuggets. They have a six game homestand coming up here at the end of the month or middle of the month of January. Starting on the 25th, they go out on a what was a five game road trip starting in Detroit. And on the 26th, they had a back to back going all the way to New Orleans. And then they had three days off. It was a weird schedule. I mentioned this a while back that I thought it was a weird schedule. Now what the league has done is actually moved the game against New Orleans to the 28th. They now play at Detroit on the 25th. On a second night of a back-to-back, they go to Brooklyn on the 26th. So that's where that game gets made up. Two nights later, they'll go to New Orleans. Two nights later than that, they'll go to Milwaukee. First of all, real quick, just to give you the geography of this. Detroit, up in the north, north north midwest. At Brooklyn, east coast. New Orleans, down in the Gulf, all the way down south. Milwaukee, back up to the midwest, and then Minnesota, and then Utah. So not only did this five-game road trip become a six-game road trip, it also now features two back-to-backs. The end of that road trip, you have Minnesota on the first and then Utah on the second. So you play at Utah on the second night of a back-to-back off of a six-game road trip, all of which that takes place over the course of nine days, six games in nine days. Like It kind of sucks. Look, there was no good answer for this, but now Denver plays back-to-back twice two two sets of back-to-backs in one road trip that takes them from the north to the east to the south to the north again all the way back to the west so you travel zigzag across the country my advice for the denver nuggets during that time punt on some of these games you play detroit then you go to brooklyn the second night you're not going to beat brooklyn at brooklyn you're going to be so fatigued you're right before the all-star break this is when team players are the most fatigued most prone to injury my advice would be to punt that brooklyn game it sucks that it got rescheduled it was a surefire win for the nuggets if they would have played it didn't work out got postponed it got put into this slot my advice would be for Denver just to punt that game. It doesn't matter. It's an interconference one. Then later on in that trip, it's tough because then you go to New Orleans, then you go to Milwaukee, then you go to Minnesota, Utah. You end the trip with Minnesota and Utah. Those are divisional games. It's hard to sit your players down for divisional games. So I don't know that they'll sit at the end of this road trip, a six-game road trip, but maybe you punt on a Milwaukee game or, or something some somewhere in there. Maybe you even, honestly, you hate to do this. Depending on where you are in the standings, you might punt on that Utah game. 
I know that's not Denver's MO, but I really fear the six games in nine days. I just fear guys like Will Barton getting hurt in those games. Monte Morris, uh, you just don't want to risk it. It's not worth it. And the odds of Denver winning too many of the games on that road trip are so low anyway that I, I don't know. So Denver gets a little bit screwed. But to be honest, we saw it coming because there was no good time for Denver to sneak that one in. Then lastly, the Golden State Warriors game, which if you recall, both teams played uh, – in the Bay, one day off in between, then they were scheduled to come to Denver. So there's no rest advantage, no rest disadvantage, whatever. Instead, it gets slotted for March 7th. Now, the good news is in March, Jamal Murray should be back around that time. So maybe that's a game that Jamal Murray is able to play. Maybe not. It is. It does extend a homestand now. Instead of having a three-game homestand there from March 2nd to March 7th, you have a four-game homestand. But here's the problem. You play Oklahoma City on the second, Houston on the fourth. That's great. Two of the worst teams in the NBA. You get them at home with a day of rest. Then on the sixth, you get New Orleans, another team that's been struggling. Then on the seventh, you get Golden State. So now you have to play Golden State on the second night of a back-to-back. It's not a second night of a back-to-back for Golden State. So Denver will be at a rest disadvantage, uh, I believe, for that one. Then you go on the road on the ninth to Sacramento, and then you come back and play Golden State on the tenth. So they actually play Golden State in Denver on the seventh and the tenth, three days apart. But what sucks is Denver has to fly to Sacramento on the 9th, play in Sacramento on the West Coast, then fly back home to Denver to play Golden State on the 10th. Golden State will have uh, a night off. They play on the 8th and then the 10th. So Golden State will be in Denver before Denver is in Denver uh, for that home game. It's It makes it tough. Not only does it give you Golden State you know, that makeup game now gives you a rest disadvantage, but now you play Golden State twice in four days, both times on the second night of a back-to-back. Another game, uh, another series where you have four games in five days, uh, that's just really rough, plus with a travel in between. So you knew this was going to hurt. It ends up really kind of screwing you, but there was no way it wasn't going to do that. This isn't the league being unfair. It was, if you look at the Nuggets schedule, those were the only two times they had more than one day off the entire slot. So they just fit them in. And I think it's going to mean that it, it probably results in Denver getting two losses. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Final segment here on the Locked On Nuggets podcast. A couple quick notes. One of the things I saw today, John Schumann from NBA.com had a really interesting uh, stat, as he does every week for the power rankings. I hate power rankings. If you guys know me, I hate power rankings. I think they're so silly. They're just a person's bias. But John Schumann at NBA.com, an analytics guy, I think he does a really good job uh, with his power rankings. He puts a lot of thought into them. He finds like one key stat for each team, and I always find it really interesting. What happens, what he talked about in this week's uh, for the Denver Nuggets was shocking. Net rating, the Denver Nuggets in the first half of games this season have the fifth best net rating. That's points allowed, or I'm sorry, points scored versus points allowed uh, per 100 possessions. Denver, the fifth best in first 
halves. They have the second best. Coming into the night, they had the first best offense in first halves. Now they've dropped to the, to the second best. But if you go to the second half, Denver goes from the fifth best net rating all the way down to the 30th. The worst net rating in second halves in the NBA. In the NBA, you go to offensive rating where they were second best offense in the first half. They fall all the way down to 30th, the worst offense in second halves in the NBA. How crazy is that to go from second best to 30th from first half to second half on offense? Some theories about that. I think there's two of them. One of them is, you know, teams are just being able to figure out Denver, as I mentioned with their guard play in the first segment. I think there is something to Denver's not that dynamic right now. They're kind of easy to solve, easy to figure out because there's they just there's not that many ways Denver can beat you right now. Uh, and I think teams maybe sort of get the hang of, okay, this is what they do. Let's take that away. And then Denver doesn't have a counter for it. I think another potential thing going on here. If you look at Jokic's shooting percentage splits, but first half to second half, uh, he's, I think, dropping 14%, something like 64% in first halves down to 48% in second halves. So maybe there's a little Jokic fatigue going on with the, the load he's having to carry uh, that he is personally falling off in second halves. And as a result, the team is falling off. It's probably a combination of both of those things that, you know, as teams adjust and say, oh, okay, we got the rhythm of what they can and can't do, then Jokic is forced into tougher shots and then the offense kind of falls apart. But nonetheless, this is a concern. And we've seen it over the last, you know, two weeks or so, Denver carrying big leads. In fact, I think another one of the stats John Schumann had was that Denver has the, second most I believe 20 point leads in the NBA I think they have 12 of them this season where they've been up by 20 points which is crazy only the Cleveland Cavaliers had more but the fact that Denver keeps blowing those 20 point leads is just as concerning as it is exciting that they're able to build them so it's something to keep an eye on that Denver right now is really hemorrhaging giant leads uh, and no lead seems to be safe with them but in a night of bad news I'll leave you with one really 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 Good news. And this comes from a quote from Nikola Jokic after the game. You know, I've actually heard him wax poetic about Dirk Nowitzki a handful of times. Jokic clearly admires and likes Dirk Nowitzki. One, he's a European player. So I think like Jokic just gravitates towards a European player. He watched him and like him being a Euro, you're kind of an underdog coming into the NBA. You know that. Uh, but I think he also just like genuinely like uh, likes his personality, likes this, like likes his game, all of those different things. I know he once said that he's the best European player ever. I have to agree. Um, Giannis might take that crown though here very, very quickly if he hasn't already. And then, of course, Jokic might, might take that crown uh, before too long, especially if he can stack a championship or two. But after the game, he asked what he admires about Dirk, and he gave this answer. He's one of the few guys that are playing for one team for their whole career. I really, really admire him for that. He didn't abandon the team. Now, in a year in which Jokic can be a free agent here with one more season left, in a year when everything has been going bad, and you could, I, I know fans send me this all the time, Jokic needs to leave the Nuggets, look at what the team they've given him. No acknowledgement for the fact that the team's second best player you know has been out all season no acknowledgement for the fact that their third best player has been out all season no acknowledgement for the fact that denver has had this tough schedule and everything else or the fact that they went to the western conference finals two seasons ago or that they've never lost in the first round of the playoffs some of these guys they just like to play fantasy gm and say every player should leave but Jokic, at least giving us this little little clue slash maybe a little morsel of of hope that he might 
want to be in Denver for a long time because that's what he wants. He has appreciation for what Denver did in drafting him and sort of giving him the opportunity. Remember, not every player gets the opportunity that Jokic, especially second-round draft picks, get the opportunity to really flourish like he did. And to talk about loyalty and say a quote like that, he didn't abandon the team, and I really, really admire him for that. It gives you hope that our guy Jokic is going to stay with us for his whole career. One can only dream, one can only hope. This Nuggets experience has been so fun following his career, and the thought of losing him is almost unbearable. Even on nights like tonight where you're just, you know, everything went poorly, to give us that little bit of optimism and reflection was just, uh, it, it definitely took the sting off by quite a bit. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Matt Moore will be back again tomorrow. He and I will chop it up over some the more recent news with the Denver Nuggets. We'll talk to everybody then. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.